welcome to the Move Daily Health Podcast, where we share information to empower you to be your own health hero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Move Daily Health Podcast. I'm Dane Wallace here with Freya Spence, and today our guest is Dr. Bruce Freeman. Bruce is an international lecturer on the topics of clinical orthodontics, virtual surgical planning, facial pain disorders, and patient experience. He maintains a private orthodontic practice in Toronto with an emphasis on pre-prosthetic and surgical care. Dr. Freeman is an associate in dentistry at the University of Toronto and co-directs the facial pain unit in the Department of Dentistry at Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto, where he also participates in research endeavors that have yielded publications in top journals, including brain and neuroimage. A man of many talents, Bruce is deeply entrenched in the world of health and is presently enrolled in yoga teacher training at Yoga Space in Toronto. We are beyond excited to have him on the podcast today. So, Bruce, welcome. I'm beyond excited to be here. <laughs> well, welcome, Bruce. Um, can you give us a little bit more of a who are you background in terms of what got you to where you are today? Um, when I was, let's go back to high school. That's easier. Just a few years ago. Just a few years ago. I, there was a young lady in our class that had an underbite and she kept her head down, never spoke and people made fun of her. And the, unfortunately her name lent, lent itself to being made fun of, which didn't make anything better. And it was very unfortunate. And she went, and this was in the late eighties at a time when jaw surgery and reconstructive jaw surgery was not commonly done. And she went and had it done, came back, literally emerged the swan and new, new look on her face, not just the new face, but a new look on her face. And the change was so internal. The external was really secondary to me. And I looked and I thought, wow, you know, how do I get to do that for somebody? So fast forward, you know, I was, I grew up back in the day where you became a doctor, dentist, a lawyer. And if you weren't so smart, maybe you became an accountant. No kidding. I'm joking because I'm terrible at math, but (laughs) That aside, I I fell into dentistry. So I thought, well, this is kind of cool. You know, you get to do what I inspired me in the first place. So I went to dental school, which was an event in and of itself. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then I thought, it's not enough. I want to learn more. I want to do more. So then I decided I'm going to specialize. And then I went to an internship in Rochester, a place called the Eastman Dental Center, a phenomenal place people from all over the world came it was it was an amazing experience first time living away from home so that was fun in beautiful Rochester, Chester, New, New York, York. yes uh, <laughs> it's not the bustling metropolis it is today but it was still uh, an interesting place um, and then I came back and did my specialty and then I thought well that's not enough so then I did my master's part-time then I started opened my first office which I subsequently uh, moved after you know the condo condification of Toronto blew up so now we're at Young and Davisville on the subway line, which is easier. And then I started working in the chronic uh, facial pain clinic at Mount Sinai. And then through the years, I have changed completely how I talk to patients, what I talk to them about, even what I lecture about. I never learned about doing Invisalign when I was in school, but you have to learn. You, I, surgical planning has changed. Now it's 3D. It's all done on computer. Everything we do in our office is digital. And to make it as accurate as humanly possible and make it as uh, a great experience and also efficient as possible for the patient. So that's where I am today. So I now lecture on virtual surgical planning, which is my focus. I, I have an opportunity to assist in the OR for all my patients. And, you know, it, it means a lot to a patient when you're the last person they see before they fall asleep and then they see you when they wake up. And that's part of the experience I want patients to have because this is a big thing for them to do. 
And chronic facial pain is a huge issue. I talk a lot about that. And it's not just the pain itself, but the psychological aspects of pain. And studies, I've been involved in one PhD study that um, uh, one, of our, one of our students did, uh, Alicia, and her results are unbelievable. And if anybody ever wants to be connected with her, she works over Skype. You will, they have shown on functional MRIs changes in the brain similar to medication. And I'm presently on a master's committee where, again, same thing about how music, but the right music done in the right way, can affect even daytime clenching. So pain is truly in the brain, as Dr. Cecil, the famous uh, the pain expert, says. And it's not just organic. It's also psychologic and all the other things that surround it. There's myriad things that are involved in pain. And also now I talk about patient experience because I think that's been lost because we're so hard on ourselves and then we get so lost in the mechanics of what we do. Even as a trainer, you're so focused on knee position and this, and then you lose sight of the fact, is this person even benefiting? Is this person really getting what they want? And that comes back to me, which I have asked myself, is very Simon Sinek, why? And I gave a seminar last night and people have been texting me all day saying, I've been whying all day because if somebody comes to you, whether you're a trainer, a dermatologist, I don't care what you do, the first thing you should say to somebody is, why have you come to see me today? Why have you chosen to come see me? And from there you say, tell me the story. So that's my story. Thank you for that story. I love that uh, you mentioned that why piece. It's also a little bit of a what do you expect? Because when clients come in, you might have some clients that are just trying to reestablish some sense of normalcy, whereas you have other clients that are trying to come in and establish like something that they've never been able to achieve yet. Or that doesn't exist in or nature. Or that doesn't exist in nature. There's that too. <laughs> Um, so I have a yeah. friend, sorry to interrupt, who says, yeah, yeah. if you're going to color your hair, at least do it a color that occurs in nature. <laughs> and, you know, a, friend, a couple friends of mine are plastic surgeons, and they always tell people saying, nobody, nobody's ever born looking like you want to look, so let's dial it back a notch. <laughs> That's the one being responsible, right? Yes, there. exactly. Um, it's interesting, too, that you bring up pain and the emotional connection, because within our practice in movement and nutrition, we're dealing a lot with the whole person. And yeah, sure, we care about, you know, where the hip and knee go all together, but it's largely more important in terms of what the person's trying to achieve, how they feel about all of it, because there's so many other ways to achieve their end goal that will also resonate with them as a human being. And then if we tap into understanding what emotions are contributing to everything, then it's key. I'm going to throw myself under the bus here for a second because I broke a couple teeth uh -oh. due to stress and clenching at night uh, that I actually wasn't aware of because I, I during the day, fine, mm -hmm. operating, everything's good, still very high stress environment. And then at night, it was like all hell would break loose. I'd wake up in pain, didn't know why. Sure enough, had broken a couple molars. And you were kind enough to connect me with the right team members. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how your team works within the context of how patients present? Well, it's very interesting about the clenching grinding, and I have a list of tips that I give to people if any of your <laughs> listeners want them, but it's the whole screen use is a nightmare because of the blue light, and the force that you exert at night is, I think it's 200 newtons or pounds per square inch. I mean, you could bite through the table because it's an involuntary force you can't even replicate. 
people have thought they had squirrels in their attic and they realized, no, it was somebody, somebody grinding. And if you really want to know, there's a great app called Snorlab. You can download. You don't need to pay for the extras. Sorry, Snorlab. And uh, <laughs> you turn your phone onto airplane mode, of course, at night. Always do. We don't want uh, an electromagnetic radiation source buzzing back and forth. And just as an aside, parents often come and the kids got the, the phone wedged between their legs up against, you know, their reproductive organs. And they say, what's in the glue and the braces? And I say, well, let's worry about more about the radiation device wedged against your ch- child's, you know, reproductive organs than worry about the glue. And that's when we have the conversation about screen use and the detriments of that and the fact that it is a radiation device. And, you know, you can read a million articles that say, yes, no, who knows? Nobody knows what the issue is. So in terms of the team, um, and you have to remember clenching and grinding occurs when you jump between phases of sleep. People think they're sleeping, they're not sleeping, and Snorlab will record whether you're mild, moderate, or epic. So if you're sleeping with someone who thinks they don't snore, just discreetly put your phone beside their head and then in the morning play, <laughs> and then they'll have a rude awakening. And they'll say, well, what was that? Was that the dog? And it's like, no, honey, that was you. <laughs> so finding the right team is very difficult. It's like finding the right lawyer, finding the right accountant. We all make mistakes and we put our faith and trust in people. And we've talked about this, people who have a six pack go online and say, I eat chicken breasts and, you know, here's how I run around the neighborhood and, you know, I'll send you my program and they have no training. So I don't want to go to a trainer who has no training. And similarly, I don't want to go to a healthcare professional who also doesn't have the appropriate training or is more about the dollar. So, you don't make a living treating facial pain, <laughs> just so you know, okay? There are millions of clinics all over and people think you can do that, but if you're making money doing this, then you're not doing it the right way. So, and I mean, there's different aspects, so don't jump on everything I say. Uh, but uh, in general, when you're treating chronic pain, this is not, this is this is a service that you're doing. And you have to remember whether you're a trainer or any, any healthcare professional, and as a trainer, you are a healthcare professional, but as, whether it's doctor, dentist, trainer, et cetera, you are of service. It's not about the, the patient is number one. And if they're not number one, then there's a problem. And it's someone's ego. Well, that's exactly right. Because you're number two, the person tr- helping this person is number two, but the patient is number one. And exactly Freya, because at Apple, they talk about feedback having to be fearless. Oh, Freya, you were so wonderful with that elderly lady today. Good job, or good show, as they say at Disney. And then in the afternoon, you lost your temper a bit with a snotty little teenager, and you're like, Freya, as they say at Disney, bad show. <laughs> it's like saying bad dog, actually. It's like kind of rude. But And what they talk about is how you have to be able to take it with aplomb mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about doing the better job for the person you're helping. And to be honest, I don't. Even, I hate the word client. Unless you're getting someone a mortgage, they're not a client. And in fact, the people you work with are your patients. Mm-hmm. Because patient to me is someone you put on a pedestal and it's an, it's, an esteemed, it's an esteemed title. It's not something to be thrown away. Clients, as I said, are, are transactional. So having the right team at, uh, at Mount Sinai, we work with chronic pain specialists that, you know, there's so many people in the city now. They, it's Botox first, ask questions later. Well, Botox in a 25-year-old, are you going to do Botox for the rest of their lives? Muscle wasting. There's even, there's even research being undertaken now that shows that those muscles can be more, and the surrounding structures can actually be more sensitized to pain mm-hmm. due to repeated Botox use. So you have to get always get behind the problem. And the neurologists, psychiatrists, chiropractors, physiotherapists, the teams you work with, acupuncturists, it's all about not saying, oh, you have this problem, but let's getting behind. And dentists are notorious for this. You come in and say, oh, 
I think I cracked. Oh, you cracked a tooth. Does it hurt with hot? Does it hurt with cold? Did I wake you up in the middle of the night? Meanwhile, I never said to you, why do you think you cracked a tooth? And then follow up and say, well, why do you think that happened? Maybe you have a young lady who something happened. She was abused. She was hit. You don't know what the conversation is because you never took the time to ask and hear the story. So the people I work with, it's about listening to the story. And some people that come to me with facial pain end up, we find out they have a brain tumor Mm -hmm. and the night guard isn't going to help. So it's about finding those people and asking what they do. And in fact, if you refer to somebody, watch them work, go to their office, watch them train somebody. And that's how you choose who you're going to go to. In fact, let's say you and Dane were going on the trip of a lifetime. You've got this massive budget. You won the lottery. You're going to spend $50,000 on a trip. And I'm your travel agent. I said, let's go to Italy. You're going to go here. You're going to go there. And Well, what did you like about that city in Italy? Uh, I don't know. I've never been. <laughs> That's why would you come to me <laughs> case in point we just booked a really long haul trip and i went with the agents that i know have been to all those long haul places and really have our back when stuff goes south because inevitably when you're going that far sometimes weather happens and all sorts of if things you can't tell me where to eat or yeah. get some flip-flops then i don't want you booking my trip <laughs> precisely and um, going back to what you were saying about yeah. getting you know the, my team it's about getting behind the problem the first thing yeah. we say we had a young gentleman come to the office the other day and his bite and skeletal structure is totally lending itself to sleep apnea mm. and this guy probably weighs a buck 20 soaking wet and in fact all the patients that we've treated surgically where you advance the jaws in such a way to allow the airway to reopen mm-hmm. and again it's not the size of the airway but response to it so some people on their x-rays, wow, your airway looks like you park a two by, you know, two by four uh, bus in there. And then they, you know, I hope you don't edit that out. It was a great effect. No, we're going to keep it. Um, and then some people have what looks like a tiny airway and they can, you know, they can inhale the paint off the wall. So it's not the size of the airway, but the response to it. I have a large airway. You have a large airway. Just for the record. <laughs> and that's why there's no paint on the walls here, folks. So... When we go back and we said to this guy, the first thing we said to him is, can you breathe? And he said, why did you ask that? And it's just because your skeletal structure, 100%, you just looked at this guy and he looked like, he, he says, I wake up in the morning, it takes me four hours before I'm fully awake. And I said, it's because you're not sleeping. So if you don't ask those questions and you're quick to throw braces or throw a chaining program that you got off of PT.net or whatever it is, and you're just winging it, and you don't have the training, there's a problem. And at the end of the day, you also have to say, what does success look like? And we just talked about that. People post things on Instagram all the time. They do a procedure and I show it to my specialist colleagues and they're saying, I don't think I would be showing that to the public, but they maybe don't know what success looks like. Mm -hmm. And therein lies the problem because you're scared, you're in pain and you go to somebody and you just want to put your trust in somebody. But that person has to realize you're coming, someone's coming to you and putting not only their money in your hands, which it's, you know, that's part of it. They're putting their health in your hands. And if you're not trained, then don't do it. Because in medicine and healthcare, there's three major words that everybody has to remember. Do no harm. That's where we discuss scope of practice and also not being afraid to say, I don't know. And let me refer you to someone else. I do it all else. the time. Oh, we do it all the time. And I think even early, early in my career, that was what led to so much learning because I'd repeatedly say, I was in clinics already. i say, I don't know. And I'd have my mentor and director to go to. And then I'd go and learn and see what it was. And 
often there will be things that are well outside our scope. So we refer out for that. The do no harm thing is so key because when people take that and they understand that's their role and they understand it's a patient, we understand too that it's a privilege to be helping them. They are not privileged to be your patient. You are privileged to have a little bit of their health in your hands. Well, I'm going to I'm going to tweak that cuz yeah. there's a great line I can't remember where it came from, but uh it's it's a privilege to put your need to be able to put your needs first. It's an honor to put the needs of somebody else ahead of yours. And that's what that. you're of service and don't let your ego. Yes, the feedback. Look, I went to dental school, trust me. I I think I saw everybody cry at some point in the corner tucked in the fetal position. But if somebody says something to the delivery and what they said in the tone may have been inappropriate, but you got to take a step back and say, may let's, let's look at the content of the, of the criticism and don't look at it as criticism. Look at it as feedback. And if I can, I'm, I want to quickly, I'm a big fan of Danielle Offrey, O-F-R-I. Her books are my Bibles. And in a book that she's written, and I think I'm responding, Danielle's going on a vacation, I think I paid for it because I've been getting everybody to buy this book. And she, I emailed her through her publishing. She emailed back. I was very, I was fanning hard. I was so excited. I told everybody. She wrote this book, What Patients Say, What Doctors Hear. And this is, fa- I don't care if you're an accountant, you're, you're a barista. You have to learn how to communicate. And one of the examples she gave was this physician said to the patient, you need a biopsy. This is serious. We need to get you in. And she thought she was communicating effectively. The lady called and said, oh, I'm going to postpone that right now. I'm really busy. Doctor freaks out and says, I don't understand. And you can't see me, but I have one hand up high, one hand down low. They were completely missing and they interviewed them as part of a research project. And the patient's like, I didn't, I I didn't understand it was that serious. And George Bernard saw, and I'm getting Shaw, I'm probably getting the, the quote incorrect, is the problem with communication is that the illusion has taken place. So if you don't have these conversations before you get to the mat or you get to the dental chair or you get to the exam table, then you have a problem. So let me, if I can give one pearl to your listeners, and you can do this with anybody, is how Danielle Offrey creates her inter- introduction to, and I, you know, I'm probably paraphrasing to some extent, when you're first meeting a patient, a client in a business situation or whatever, the first thing is, why have you come to see me today? Why, why, why us? And then some people say, I struggle with that. I said, well, how do you say it? They're like, why are you here? I'm like, oh, okay, let's work on your tone. <laughs> so, you know, we have to personalize the delivery, you know, listeners, you just can't uh, do everything I'm telling you. What brought you here today? Yeah. So, but no, but it's not what or how that it has why. to be that. Why, yeah. why have you come to see us today? Tell me the story. And then never losing eye contact, eye to eye, heart to heart. And as, as my friend, uh, Andrew Johnstone, the greatest periodontist in the world, she says, it's also, you have to sit in a position, even if it's a little lower for the patient, so they just don't feel intimidated by the white coat or that you're the doctor or whomever. You have to make sure that person is comfortable. And then I say, tell the story, as Dr. Offrey says. And then you co-narrate. You don't jump in. You say, oh, so just, just to be clear, it's been three months or six months for the... Okay, thank you very much. Did you want to... Do you mind if I take some notes? And then you give a pad and paper to the, to the patient and say, why don't you jot down some thoughts as they come to you and maybe we'll get to them after. Six times more compliance with whatever you're discussing when someone does homework. And even before someone comes to see you, I like to take it and extend it. Top three things that you feel that we need to address when you come to see me. So they've done homework. Now they're invested in the process already. Now their brains are thinking. Okay. 
So now you're co-narrating, and then you say, so they come in, you know, my left, my left glute, my right knee, my big toe on my left foot. No, it's my right foot. And they come in with 1,200 things. Now the practitioner is freaking because they're thinking, what the hell? I don't know where to start. So then you say, in the moment, what are you struggling with the most? And all of a sudden, you'll see their head tilt to one side, and they'll say, you know what? It's my left knee because I can't walk the dog, or I'm having trouble getting down and playing with my kids. So all of a sudden, 40 problems really distill. So it's the curation, the distillation of information comes down to something that you now can both appreciate. Then I say, have I missed anything today? Did we cover everything? And again, the head tilts. They look at you and then they think, no, which is good because then they ask whatever they don't, they didn't ask, or they realize you did address all their concerns, which gets rid of the hand on the doorknob or hand on the locker if you're in the gym. Questions because all of a sudden as they start to leave, they're like, oh, by the way. And you're like, oh. But then that's fine. It sounds like we have some other concerns. Those are ones we're going to lead off with at our next appointment. You can't do it all in one time. And then the last thing I do, because you have to respect the person that has come to you, is you shake their hand and you say, thank you for letting me look after you today. Because it's, it, it is an honor to be able to do that, that someone's entrusting their health, their most precious asset, with you. And some people say, oh, thank you for the opportunity. Or th No, that's all about you, you, you. It ain't about you. And if it is about you, then find something else to do. That sounds, that sounds like going on a t-shirt. It's like Dr. Zeus, but, yeah, but a little not more, for children. A little more blunt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when you're asking those questions, that's a, it's yoga philosophies peeling away the layers of the koshas to get to the, the true self. The true self is already there. And I always tell people, your six pack and clear mind is there. You got to get rid of all the, oh, go to F45. Oh, eat keto. Don't eat keto. Eat paleo. You got to drown it all out. And as my wonderful acupuncturist, Helen says, don't look at everybody else's downward dog, focus on your own. And the problem is we have so much chatter, the swirling information in our head that we don't see things clearly and our ego gets in the way and we see things with, with the wrong lens and we have trouble peeling away those layers and finding out who we really are deep down. So for instance, in terms of rationale, let's say you needed, you had hypertension and I said, Dane, you need a diuretic. And you're, okay, you have to take it three times a day. Here's your prescription. Okay. Non-compliance isn't because you're a bad person or you're not smart or anything. It's just life gets in the way. So if I said to you, Dane, imagine you're in a room, water's filling up. It has nowhere to go. The only way to stop the water from creeping up and covering your head, I'm going to give you a little hand pump. That's the only way. Now you're pumping wildly to try and get the water level down. That pump is your heart. So now take a balloon full of water. If we just keep filling it up, the balloon's eventually going to burst, right? I didn't say burst. Dane said burst. Now you're engaged. And then I say, imagine your heart. There's fluid in your body. Your heart's straining, straining, straining. If you don't take this medication, your head's going to burst. <laughs> and when your head bursts, it's in the form of a stroke or a heart attack. So now picture Dane at three o'clock realizing he missed his 12 o'clock pill. He looks down, he's like, holy crap, my head's going to burst. It's all about rationale and understanding why you're doing it. Why am I, you know, and I've asked you this when we trained, I said, so what does this do? I need to understand because then I'm, oh, okay, now I'm feeling, oh, it's a hamster. Cool. So if I do this, this is knee mobility. Okay, I need to understand 
Why? How do little children learn? Why, 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 why? And what frustrates a little kid? Because, and the kid's thinking, screw you. But you need to understand the rationale behind everything you do. My older brother used to say, because isn't a reason, because is a conjunction when he was little. Oh. So there you go. Uh, But we agree with that too. We always say that um, our role is to empower clients to understand the why. Because if a friend says, oh, follow keto, or I saw this person on social media and they're quote unquote legit, you should buy their online program. There's no why. So there's no consistency with that because somebody can go hard for, you know, a few weeks at a time following the bikini body program. Sorry just the first one a bikini body program (laughs) a but then it doesn't really resonate with their why and it certainly isn't catered to their own bodies and their own timeline and we see a lot of stressed out people doing things like that to try to be more time efficient and creating more internal chaos than before and you have to understand whether it's healthful longevity you know and that means healthy mind healthy body it's a whole lot of different things. And, and, and Dane said it very accurately. It's about asking those questions. Dr. Offrey quotes a study where they said to doctors, write down every word that starts with T. So they're listening intently. They wrote down every word. Then they said after, what was the patient talking about? They're like, how the hell should I know? I just know they said 40 words with T. Like I didn't hear, I didn't hear a bloody thing. All I heard was, that was it. And that's why we have two different words for hearing and listening in every single language. It's a different thing. And why do you think people go to therapy? They go to therapy. They unload everything in 90 minutes or 60 minutes. And then they feel better. Nothing was resolved in that necessarily in that first few hours or nothing is resolved every single session. They just feel better having told their story. And being heard. I think we had a, we had a conversation with um, our colleague Cliff in California. And he was just saying that in large part, people go to these group training classes to to have some sort of connection community-wise, but then also, you know, to be heard, have a shared part of their story with other humans, and then leave. Exactly. And something I wanted to touch on, Bruce, I know you're a huge fan of social media. Oh, huge. So, yeah. I know, so over the past few decades, how do you feel that social media has really affected this client expectation piece? Here's the issue. Social media is amazing. It brings people together. It's sharing of knowledge. There's so many positives. There's no question. You can do telemedicine. There's even teledentistry. You can, Sick Children's Hospital can help a a children's hospital in the middle of nowhere who's maybe seeing a certain syndrome for the first time that sick kids have seen 50 times and knows how to deal with. So let's not, let's not, you know, come down or throw shade on social media to that extent. However, it's when parents are in my waiting room and both the mother or the father and the child's on the phone. And I walk out and I say, it's so nice you have this quality time together. And then the phones discreetly are put away. And are people crossing the street now or getting onto the elevator, forgetting there's other people in the world? Or they're, the light's expired and they're still looking down. I beep the horn and they'll give me the finger. And I think, and you know what? The drivers are texting too, buddy. Who do you think is going to win this fight? <laughs> Not you. <laughs> you know, texting driver, texting pedestrian. It's a no-brainer who's going to lose that battle. So... I think it is isolated people. That's why people go to group things or meetups now because they're so isolated at home. Do you have the, I think it's Hakumi. There's a, there's a name for these kids in Japan that never leave their rooms. I don't know the exact name of it. You know, we can, we can look it up, but, uh, in the book world war Z, the 
one of the or only Zed for or Zed, sorry i said z that's very bizarre um <laughs> one of the kids that survives was one of those kids he he didn't know that the world was totally gone until his meal stopped arriving until a couple weeks later yeah slid under the door but so social media again we know the positives let's not talk about that let's talk about the negatives about how people go online and see a photoshop body not thinking it's photoshopped and think oh i want to look like that and you see it with guys now young guys more than you just used to see it with young women now you're seeing it with young men so not only that, they say, oh, I know it's Photoshopped. No, you don't. Your brain is not processing that that's Photoshopped. You're telling yourself, oh, I know it's fake. Meanwhile, you're just mindlessly, people are either scrolling right to left on Tinder or Bumble or whatever it is, or they're up and down on Instagram. And people are vicious and mean and rude. And people are, there's bullying in person. There's cyberbullying. And, you know, Monica Lewinsky has a great TED Talk. And it's one worth listening to about what would have happened if what happened to her happened today. Fascinating. Right. And, you know, and look, everybody can throw shade at her. Whatever the circumstances, you take a young person in a circumstance, in a position of power, who knows what one would have done there. But for, as they said, not that I'm religious, but there for the grace of God, go you. You know, you don't know. So don't be so, don't be so hard on other people. But the whole context of what she's talking about is, would Twitter have saved her and said, like, leave her alone, hashtag let her be, or would it have been, you know, something even more vicious? And I guarantee it would have been. It would have. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember, and again, you look online, oh, this person has a six pack and says they eat chicken breast and I don't know, uh, watches TV all day and they have a great body. I'm going to follow that. And, and they do. And they want the easy way out. And I sent you guys an article about passion. And it's I can't remember who wrote it because I would like to quote the uh, the author. Maybe, you know, Dane can put that we'll on the site or something. We'll include it in the notes. Yeah. And what it talked about, everybody said, oh, I have a passion for this. I have a passion for that. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. And then all of a sudden they hit a roadblock or realize, oh, I have to take, like I'm finishing 200 hours of yoga teacher training. I need another 300 hours. Let's be honest, either apprenticing or taking more courses after courses after courses. The world does not need more, you know, mediocre yoga teachers. You need to refine your craft. You need to work on it. 200 hours is your start. And then you, then the real work starts. Just like you graduate from dental school or med school or trade or yeah. learning to be a trainer. That's when the real work starts. And you have to recognize that because you're of service to the people that are coming to you. So I think social media is going off in the wrong way in the sense that unqualified, uncredited people are saying, I'm an expert in this, I'm an expert at that. There's people in, in medical school calling themselves doctor already. I try not to go on social media, really. I'll go on once a day to check messages because I found what I was getting upset by were the people who are new to the industry are putting out and putting in a ton of energy into publishing online programs and things like that. And then specifically in the area of injury management and pain, which I've been around for a long, long time myself and with patients, and I am still figuring it out as we all are. And yet I have, I, I started seeing people saying, oh, here's your six week program to fixing your whatever joint. And all I could think was like, you know what? You're hurting people because I see the people you've hurt. And I just can't, like, I can't go on social media for that reason. Cause it just, when people Big haven't news. actually, yeah. when people haven't actually worked with clients extensively or patients, 
it's easy to put stuff like that out there. It is because you don't know the dark side of what that is. And you don't also know that like an ACL tear, very different from one person to the next in terms of how they recover based on the type of human that goes into it. And based on their environment their for life, healing, what they do for their living. life, did they just lose their ability to play with their kids or are they quite happily sat at a desk and it hasn't changed anything? It's so layered and social media has gotten into like, as one to your shopping. point, one stop shop, but also to your point, using labels that are not accurate or appropriate and putting out advice that is beyond their scope of practice. And what's interesting is when you have that screen it's a virtual client or a virtual mm-hmm. patient and you're giving advice therein lies the problem mm-hmm. because how do you sleep at night is what i say to people how do you go to bed at night and like i've had two ulcers <laughs> i've had my share of health problems okay i broke some teeth yeah you know i've had two ulcers and i don't remember the last time i slept more than six hours but uh you know that's a whole nother story about beating oneself up but this is the problem and there's two extremes to that as, as the practitioner, because when I was in dental school, we were marked, I think it was three, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I tell the story all the time. And some brave or naive soul at the back of the room put up their hand and said, why is the highest mark we can get a nine? And the professor shot back because there's no such thing as 10. So you need to be perfect, but there is no such thing as perfect. So now as the practitioner, you're in this no man's land or no person's land. And you're sort of, oh, geez, now what do I do? And nobody comes to a healthcare practitioner, trainer, whatever, and says, eh, just, you know, do your best, you know, just do an okay job. No, you expect that person to do the best job possible. So there's also about, you know, realizing, and, and Freya, you said it exactly, about staying in your lane and realizing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I would rather trust the practitioner if it says, you know what, this is out of my wheelhouse, and if you go back to the 10,000-hour rule, which was actually first mentioned in a book called Peak by Anders Ericsson, yeah. and he talks about naive and, um, and purposeful practice. So I always ask people in the audience when I speak, who plays golf or tennis? Somebody puts up their hand and says, I, I play golf a day a week. So how are you going to get better? I'm going to play four days a week. So instead of playing crap golf one day a week, now you're playing crap golf five days a week you know, or four days a week. So... I say, well, if you said, well, I'm going to get a putting coach, then I'm going to work on my getting out of traps. Then I'm going to work on my long game and my drives, etc. That's how you're going to get better. He had people memorizing strings of number that would crap out at eight. All of a sudden, through training their mind, they were memorizing strings of numbers well in excess of 120 numbers. So the 10,000 hour rule is very interesting. And I always bring this up with healthcare practitioners. Let's say you do root canals, orthodontics, what have you, and you only do it maybe four hours a week. You would have to do it every day of every week, of every month, of every year, for 52 years approximately to get 10,000 hours, which is what somebody gets in specialty training in the three years of their residencies. Now, that doesn't mean that that's all they need. That That's, as I said, when the real learning begins. But unless you're willing to put in that time, not necessarily, you don't have to go back to school necessarily, but you have to invest the time in quality courses, not a weekend at the Holiday Inn and on Monday I'm doing animal flow. It doesn't work yes. that way. And I see so many people, I've been at gyms and I've told you to, I'll do my basic animal flow that I know is within my wheelhouse and trainers will come up and say, damn, like who taught you that? And how did you, how do you know to do that? Why, what, what are you doing with your hips? And they ask a million questions. Meanwhile, then they walk off to their client or, you know, their poor client. And then they're, I see them teaching crab and all that. And I'm thinking, buddy, 
you just came up to me and said you didn't even know X, Y, and Z or Z for American listeners. And then you're walking off and, and going and, and misguiding somebody with their body. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is where the whole social media problem comes. And I don't, I don't know where it's going to stop. And people can just say what they want. They can say they're the best leader in the free world. They can say they're the best lawyer. They can say they're the best trainer. And people will believe them. People want to believe them. And that's the, that's the scary part. People want to put their faith in somebody. Imagine you haven't eaten in, in six days. And I say, I'm going to give you an hour in the grocery store. Do whatever you want. You'll be chewing through the boxes by that time. You're not going to open the box to the cookies and your gluten-free diet will tell, I'll tell you, it will go right out the window. You're not going to care about keto at that point. But you're going to be eating everything possible because you're just so desperate at that point. And so many people are desperate for the quick fix that will work within their lives. But you you both said it. If somebody comes to me and said, let's say somebody said, comes and says, I want my teeth whitened. You do the exam and you find out there's decay everywhere. And you're like, look, it's really not appropriate, but I need my teeth whitened. And then you start getting into this contretemps, this, this argument, no, you can't, you have decay. And then you start lecturing and haranguing. If you said to the person, why is it that it's so important for you to get your teeth whitened right now. You know what? I, I, I'm just dating again and I have my first date in a while or this is my first job interview in three months. Hey, you know what? Let's work on something that's a temporary, inexpensive fix. Let's do a solid cleaning. Get your job. Let's get, Maybe you'll get benefits or whatever. Let's start working on the worst things first, picking them off one at a time. That way you're working with, not against somebody. But that whole argument could have been solved by just simply asking why yeah and this conversation is why we started this podcast it's because social media is out there and the people who are getting hurt are the people who scream the loudest regardless of their qualifications and their experience and their expertise they can scream i'm an expert and people say oh there's an expert and they'll gravitate to that and so again that's why we wanted to bring on people like you to have these conversations just to put good information out there to enable people to think a little bit differently about how to approach a solution and so i'm really happy that you've come on today and we've been able to go down this road because this is the kind of stuff that people need to be hearing more of and you have to remember you don't yell fire in a crowded theater so you know well what's the objective <laughs> to get a, to get attention i don't know i you know i meant when there is no fire you know because right. <laughs> then you you know you cause a real problem and and, that, and look, there's so much fake news, fake everything, but it's not just fake news, it's fake information. And and this is, you touched upon this and I forgot to, I want to, I'd really love to get back to it. Dr. Offrey talks about how there has to be that psychosocial component to every interaction. Otherwise they, they feel they have no, it's not a good positive experience. Okay. And a positive patient experience. And you have to remember the hallmarks of any healthcare or any wellness is access to the care you expect and deserve. Uh, respect. The patient has to be respected in all aspects and communication, meaning you have to communicate fully and listen and hear, do both things. So when you, when you talked about that, it's, the problem is if you're not listening and you don't have that respect and then all of a sudden your ego gets in the way because the person starts asking all these questions, they call it the consumerist interview. Healthcare practitioners get their back up. They're like, why are you questioning me? Well, Dr. Ross says, Dr. You know, WebMD says, and you're like, oh God, here we go again. And then, but take that as an opportunity to say, hey, this, I'm actually have a lot of control of this because I have the answers and this person has the questions. So it's a shared control. You're both trying to lead and guide each other 
the, the patient's trying to guide you to where their, where their head is at, but you as a practitioner need to control the conversation to guide them to the right information. And when I say control, it's about guiding them away from the bad toward the good, because as much information there is out there, there's a lot of misinformation. And your job as a healthcare provider is to curate and distill all that information so that the person who, with whom you're working, luckily enough, you know that this person's come to you, is, is guided in the right direction and not the wrong direction. I love the word curate because what I was thinking when Dane was talking about social media, because um, again, we have acknowledged there are positives and we're not negating that, but when it comes to care for others, the most well-curated Instagram accounts are not the ones where people are spending their time with patients. And it's as simple as that. So you're either curating experience or you're curating an Instagram account. You're just curating photos. Photos. That's all exactly. it is. And, yeah. and I've learned in yoga teacher training, we have amazing instructors at Yoga Space uh, here in Toronto. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. Right in the middle of a class, a packed class with one of the most amazing instructors, Catherine Beat. She said, here's Royal Dancer and Natarajasana for Instagram. And here's the way you're supposed to do it. And everybody, oh, 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 okay, oh, oh, that's, mm, now I get it. And for her to stop a class for that minute and bring up somebody who's an amazing, amazing person, you know, with her yoga postures, to come up and show the class that and take that time to educate is so important because otherwise people are just going and hurting themselves. And they're more, and, and some instructors are more, more involved in what their, their playlist is than they are in watching what, what, you know, is somebody making a mistake or somebody's going to hurt themselves. There was a good thing in Australia about that with uh, social media. It, they were trying to figure out a way to control social media's, um, you can't really control it, but anyway, control some of the things that are on it because young girls were trying to do some of the bigger tricks that higher level gymnasts were doing and getting hurt. So hospitals were seeing more and more of these Instagram injuries. And the same has been said of some of the yoga Instagram ones. It's injuries, like, I love that. I know. I got my Instagram term. injury from Instagram Institute and YouTube University. Yeah. Oh, even better. <laughs> See yeah. one, do one, teach one. I don't, I can build a deck. I don't need to watch the whole video. I can just, I, I got the rough idea. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's looking cool and there's doing it right. Well, I always say to, I say to practitioners, did you weighs your patient today? And for those of you who don't know what weighs is, it's just a fancy sort of Google maps yes. and it tells you where the traffic is and everything else. And I said, did you, did you Google maps your patient today? And if you didn't, did you lead them in the right direction? And did you ask if they have any more questions? Did you ask if you covered everything and then follow up, follow up, follow up. And even as trainers, people, you need to do comfort calls. You need to follow up with your, with your patients and your, your clients, if it's in a business environment and say, Hey, did you have any more questions? Don't forget X, Y, and Z or Z. Just as a back a backstory, my mother's American and I went to school thinking there were 27 letters in the alphabet because I thought it went X, Y, Z, Z, just so you know. Uh, yeah, very embarrassing coming back from school, going, stomping my feet, going, you, you're wrong. We all, we all have flaws. Bruce. Yes. Okay, well, <laughs> I've learned. <laughs> if that's your limited flaw, you're doing pretty okay. But it is ZZ Top, the band. I don't think yes. ZZ Top sounds very good. <laughs> ZZ Top. Yeah, Welcome to the stage. Everybody would leave and want their money back, but anyways. All right, Bruce, this has been awesome so far, but I wanted to ask you a few dental quick hits uh -oh, for, okay. uh, for, our, for our listeners out there. Yeah. Um, the lightning round. Lightning round. It is. 
So what are some of the worst impacts to dental health that people don't necessarily think about day to day? Um, I think it's not to gross out your listeners, but the, let's talk about your digestive tract. It's, Thank you. Let's please. Yes. We like to talk yeah. about poop. It's one big tube. <laughs> one big tube, and it starts one place and ends the other. Okay. So the fact is, what happens in your mouth is reflected in what happens in your body. One of the busiest tents in the in in sporting events at the Olympics or or the Pan Am Games is the dent is the dentist because people come with infected wisdom teeth or a wisdom tooth they thought didn't matter. I don't need to get it out. Suddenly becomes infected that you're swallowing that bacteria. If you unfortunately, you know, become, become somebody who has diabetes or a cardiac problem, you're swallowing that bacteria and that seeds out on your heart that can affect, that can affect your health in so many different ways in terms of, uh, you know, gestation, um, cardiac health, diabetes health, and remember, and, and mental health, it's very important. They've actually now have done studies that show that Patients with Alzheimer's and early Alzheimer's or cognitive deficits, regular cleanings have actually showed cognitive improvement, which is an amazing, amazing thing. So yes, the food you put in your mouth is very important for your gut, but also the health of your mouth is even more important for what happens in your gut. And uh, somebody recently told me a story about uh, a limo driver went to pick somebody up and then the dispatch calls and says, where's Mr. and Mrs. Smith? And he's like, they're in the back of the car. He was actually hallucinating. He had a dental infection that he never went to the dentist for. And what do you think it did? Spread to his brain. That's how people used to die back in the you know little house on the prairie days. It was a brain abscess. But this sort of thing we're seeing and people are doing all sorts of crazy things with supplements and drugs and i see so many trainers that i think wow this person's very focused on movement and everything and yes i guess they're getting paid by companies to you know shill something whatever but their diet seems to consist of nothing but bars and and powders all day long and i'll just put it out there they're not getting paid by the company they're just being given bars and powders that's all that's happening there it's amazing but it's not food no it's it's, not it's it's like the jetsons or star trek or something and it's the food replicator and i don't want to eat a powder (laughs) i want to eat a sandwich i just want to follow up quickly on that i've read in a recent study in free radical biology and medicine journal well that there's a correlation between people who use mouthwash and the prevalence of having a heart attack or stroke oh well i haven't read the article but what i will tell you is it's very interesting that people use mouthwash, there's often a component of alcohol in these mouthwashes. So what happens is it sloughs off all the superficial cells. Well, then the bacteria are like, lunch! <laughs> you know, it's a buffet for the bacteria. So then they start eating all that bacteria. It can actually make your breath a little worse. That's why it's important to rinse out. So what may be, and again, I have not read the article, so I don't want to comment. I don't know what journal it was in, so nobody... You I know. just said that. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> I know. It could have been in the Journal of Irreproducible Results. I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with the journal, so I don't want to say anything either Written way. Written by Dane Wells. Yeah, but what can happen is those people using mouthwash may not be flossing, brushing, yeah. or seeing the dentist regularly. So the bacterial load in their mouths may be way higher. And if they're only using mouthwash and they're not doing everything and going to see their dentist routinely, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then maybe those people have a higher risk of uh, cardiac issues, but it also goes to, we have to understand what is their diet, what is their exercise regimen. There's so many other factors, but again, the load of bacteria in your mouth affects your health because again, it's one tube.
Yeah. And again, context is everything. Yes. So there are studies out there on everything in every industry. You have to understand there's context to everything and what was the control, what were the controls and everything about that. So again, I just wanted to bring that up because it's something I've heard from other clients as well and just wanted to get that information. But you have to understand yeah. statistics can prove whatever yeah, you want. That's just it. <laughs> you know, absolutely. They're percentages. So going way back to the beginning of our conversation as part of your lightning round, is teeth grinding a bigger issue than people think? A hundred percent. And I think we touched on this briefly when you talked about your tips. Yeah. When you're cracking your teeth. And I actually have a list of tips I can help share with your listeners. But again, when you jump between phases of sleep, this is the problem. So many people, when their lower jaw, let's say they look like they, they have a recessive or retrusive jaw, that can mean that their jaw is rotated in a clockwise direction and that can help close off the airway. And there are devices that can help with that that are not the most ideal or a CPAP machine, but it's some crazy percentage, like over 50, 60% or more of patients with CPAPs stop using them after a year. This is breathing. Hi, you need to breathe. And there's, oh, this thing's a pain. And yeah, because they have to clean them and people don't want to clean them. So it's a whole thing. And you have to retitrate them and everything. Yeah. So they're just like, I'd rather not breathe. So a lot of the patients we see are lean, fit people that they, you know, if they had a fat cell, it would be dying of loneliness. And meanwhile, they have sleep apnea. And sometimes these are young guys going, this is not helping my game. You know, I you can't, you know, put this Darth Vader on mask and say, hey, do you want to cuddle? So right in the short term, it's sort of like my social life. Then in the long term, it's just, uh-oh, weight gain, cortisol spikes, and, and then all these things that lead to obesity. So number one, twilight mode or whatever on your phones, if you're on an iPhone or an iAnything, twilight mode. Airplane mode? Air, no, airplane mode okay. just turns off the signal. Twilight mode blocks the blue light. Aha, there we go. And then you can go on Amazon for 20 bucks and you can get the sort of, I'm going to go to the firing range, wrap yes. around orange glasses, or there's even clear glass that has blue blue blocker in or it. Or you can just turn your devices off at 7 p.m. and but even go read a book. light in your rooms. Uh, ah, yeah. that's why you those glasses are, or if you're sat in front of a computer, there's people getting ocular, ocular neuritis where they're in front of computers so long they're actually getting neuropathic yes. pain in their eyes so to even have blue blocker in your regular daily glasses magnesium everybody's magnesium deficient magnesium bisglycinate you know a great supplement easy take it to take it before bed with your meals helps your tummy helps your helps your recovery and helps your sleep and also patients who have uh, migraines are often put on larger doses of magnesium to help with their migraines so we have twilight mode, or if you're on a Android, I'm sure there's another way to block blue light. Just get flux, F-L-U-X. Yeah. You put it on your laptops. Fine. You want to watch Netflix? Turn it off. Whatever. Do things that, you know, whether it be white noise or whatever, decrease, turn your screens, not, never mind blue, blue blocking your screens, turn them off. And maybe you do need a night guard, but it has to be made appropriately and adjusted appropriately so it's a neutral appliance. It's a flat plane. It's not just contacting in a couple places. Often I see patients with soft guards. The majority of time, that's like giving someone a pack of Hubba Bubba and telling them, you know, chew gum all night long. Or they buy it at the local drugstore, and when they bite on it, they articulate on two teeth. Well, how would you feel walking around on, you know, two parts of your foot and not completely on your whole foot? So, again melatonin melatonin levels not in an artificial way in a natural way by turning off your devices watching your caffeine intake taking magnesium having a regular sleep and wake time and then use snore lab but again on airplane mode of course um but after that if you find you're snoring and you're thinking i'm a fit person i'm uh, people who have apnea are overweight and drinkers and no it could be the skeletal structures 
you need to go for a sleep study and then maybe you need to see an orthodontist and a, and a oral surgeon because sometimes the only way is what's called MMA surgery, which is maxillomandibular advancement, where you advance both jaws to help the airway become the airway it used to be. So there's many things you can do with your diet and your sleep hygiene to stop clenching and grinding. But again, you always have to get behind the problem. Don't say, oh, you're anxious. Well, what if the person has an, an AHI, uh, an apnea index that's off the charts and you're brushing them off, telling them it's simply, oh, you're anxious. You know, my physician always says it's nothing is not a diagnostic term. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. It's something. We just, maybe it's benign. Maybe yeah. it's not an issue, but it's still something. Yeah. And so you just covered a lot of things that will help people have great sleep hygiene and get great sleep, which we... We are huge proponents of. We speak about all the time. So just another yes. reason to, to really focus on your sleep is to avoid grinding your teeth and to avoid broken molars in your mouth that can get infected and cause serious health problems. And cost you a lot of money, which you don't Correct. really, we don't want you to have to spend unnecessarily. Yes, absolutely. For the record, mine were not infected. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. I, I, it's very uncomfortable here right now because I, I, I think I'm in the middle of something, but... <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah, correct. <laughs> no, no. I smashed mine up and I got them taken care of well, that's really that quickly. That's all that matters. Yeah. The wonderful Dr. Gina Lee. <laughs> yes. What is your personal non-negotiable self-care tool that you must complete every day? Flossing. Fantastic. Floss. Once, once. Fantastic. Uh, just once. I floss. I, I'm a flosser before I brush because... I don't know. I think if I brush and then I floss, uh, it's I don't really know. weird. Yes. Yeah. Floss, yeah, floss has to be just, first. I mean, there's yeah. re people have done research on that. That's just a personal preference. So I have to floss. I have to put my yoga toes in as I, as I've been instructed to do. And I actually do my, you know, my toe spreading exercises and my feet clenching exercises that Dane taught me how to do. And I do those every day. Water, 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 three drops of life. I'm not sponsored or anything, but their bottles are amazing because it shows you the time. And so I was all excited. So I thought I got through the whole day and I was like, yes. And then I turned it around. I'm like, oh my God, that was just the morning. And it's like, I got to drink all, I got to drink this all again. And then you become, it's great because you just become mindful, you know, that, you know, and also I was taught because I also passed a kidney stone. That was really fun in September. Every, Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. I didn't even find it. It was just it just dissipated or on impact like an asteroid or something i never i never got to like bronze it or anything and now that i'm in yoga training it's every day i have to i have to do i have to do it, it may not be the full sequence and that doesn't mean i beat myself up it's about just doing something and moving my body in some way and, and let's say i don't have time to uh to go for a workout, but I have stuff at home now. I do a workout. I got a Peloton bike that I'm obsessed with and it's right beside my bed. So there's no excuse. I don't have to worry about, you know, what my gym outfit looks like. You know, I just jump on and uh, away I go and I love it. And, and, and I think it's great and you have to make things accessible and that's what I do. And, and, and I have to move every day and i do animal flow the, the things that i've been taught not what i see on the internet i do what i've been taught by frey and dane every day to some extent and i have my bands and everything so i can't get it all done every day and i stop beating myself up about about it otherwise i'm just spiking my cortisol and i'm just making things worse so that was a great one self-care tool, Bruce. Thank you for being oh, sorry. Yeah. So I'm going to type A. What do you want? <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot here, though. Oh, but no. if you had five minutes with someone, what is 
of all the things we've discussed here, or maybe it's something else, what is the one thing, the one thing that you feel is most important that you could impart on them for their health? I would say give yourself a break. And I know people say this, but when I say give yourself a break, I mean it's sleep in, go to bed early one night, don't worry if everybody's out. I saw something somebody wrote and it says going to my room and uh, not being allowed to go out where my teenage nightmares now they're my adult dreams <laughs> because yeah. you don't have to go out. We call it JOMO, yeah. the joy of missing yeah. out. Yeah, but I think it is it is JOMO. It's about or it's about just giving yourself a break. And, you know, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to give myself a break and I'm still figuring out how to let go and get rid of my perfectionist tendencies. And I, I touched on that passion article and say, yeah, it's great to have a passion for something, but passions are developed. It's like you may, you may be meet somebody that you're in love with, but true love and that passion that takes years. That's not going to be instantaneous. And these things take time and good takes time and just give yourself a break. Cause there's too many young people that write me and say they have no capacity to cope. And if you have no capacity to cope, I don't care if you floss, eat healthily every day, do exercise nine times a week. It doesn't matter because if your mind is not happy or clear, I don't like to say happy. If you're not content, because happy is kind of an Instagram thing, but if you're not content with, with who you are and where you are, and you're constantly anxious or judging yourself, you know, everybody thinks everybody's, oh, oh, I've got a pimple today. Everybody's going to look at me. I always say, you know what? Are you so egotistical to think everybody's walking on the sidewalk and looking at your pimple? They're looking at their phones. They're not looking at you. So <laughs> give yourself a break. Sleep and floss. How's that? Perfect. Yes, we like that. <laughs> Those are one B and one C. Okay. <laughs> and last but not least, where can people find you? Oh, where can they find me? I know you want to be found, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Most of our guests are like, um, wow. <laughs> I'm Googleable. Our, you know, our office website is Googleable. Um, for Mount Sinai Hospital under the dental department, we can be found if you have questions. Um, there's also uh, my Instagram, which you know, I like food. So, uh, that's at DRBVF, which is D is in dog, R is in Robert, B is in Bob, V is in Victor, F is in Frank. Um, I love it's not B is in Bruce, it's B is in Bob. Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to confuse the issue. I, at least if there's no P, I didn't say P is in phone, and then everybody's like, what? <laughs> so, uh, you know, people like to message off Instagram, and I'm happy to answer questions. People know I respond lightning quick, and, and I enjoy the questions. And if I can offer any pearl of anything, you know, that helps somebody or directs them to some literature or whatever, I'm happy to do that. And, uh, you know, if again, if I can be of service to somebody in some way, shape or form, giving them good information, or if I don't have the information, which I often yeah. don't, get them to the right person. And that's, uh, that's all I can do. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Bruce. Well, we really appreciate me. it. Now we can eat our Keto, uh, keto Carrot, muffins from muffins. Bruce keto brought muffins treats. from Butternut Bakery in Toronto. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> All right, Bruce. Thanks so much. And that wraps up this episode of the Move Delhi Health Podcast. Uh, tune in next time. Thanks. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. To hear more, head on over to Stitcher or iTunes and subscribe to the Move Daily Health Podcast. And don't hesitate to leave us a review. Thanks for listening.